Sometimes going slow is the key to growing fast. If you're immediately at that point in time where you've raised your first growth round, you're like ready to scale, you may think that you're ready to put the gas, like really punch it, but step back. You could break this business if you do it too quick. Back to going slow. It's one hire at a time. This is a show for startups hosted by experienced VCs that cuts to the chase to give you concise, relevant, and actionable advice to achieve sustainable growth. This is Go Slow to Grow Fast, a Mercury podcast. Hi, I'm Heath Butler with Mercury Fund and your host for Go Slow to Grow Fast. And today's theme is all about why grade A talent matters. Whether you are a founder looking to achieve product market fit or you have a successful startup and you're working on building your scaling strategy, we want to make sure you understand why grade A talent matters. And today I have with me a good friend and I sit on his board, Sid Opadiai from WiseHire. And we're excited to have you today, Sid. Heath, always fun to catch up. Thanks for the opportunity. Absolutely. So in part one of this topic, I had a Blair on, and he and I talked about this from an investor perspective as to why investors are looking for founders that understand that they need to hire grade A talent and they understand why that matters. So I'm excited to have you on today. You and I get to chat all the time, but usually it's about the business, strategy, tactics. And today I'm super excited that we get to take the nose of the plane up, talk a little bit about your journey and why you guys are doing so well because you have pretty unique insight on why talent matters for the businesses you hire for. So who better to have than Sid himself, who has some really good perspective about this. So I'm excited to talk to you about it. Heath, I'm pumped for it. The journey is full of ups and downs and we owe it to the community to pay it forward, man. So thanks for the opportunity. (laughs) Great. Let's dig in. Tell us a little bit about Wise Hire's origin story and the unique insights you've uncovered as you've been helping businesses hire talent since 2014. It's a journey full of ups and downs, man. A lot of hard-earned lessons. As Wisehire started out as a bootstrap startup, as you think about the journey of product market fit, we had such a tiny product at the time. It was literally a spreadsheet. We were taking our insights from when we were consultants helping Fortune 500s and had this recognition that what those companies had as advantages small businesses needed and deserved it. And that's where the roots of our journey today started. It's all about leveling the playing field for Main Street businesses. We listened a lot to our customers, kept asking why, digging deeper, expanded our product dramatically just by answering those questions. And today, here we are with what I would describe as the most personalized platform focused on SMBs, helping them ideate who to hire, think through the hiring process, get great talent in the door, And ultimately, as we're going now, set them up for success, onboard them, help retain that talent as well. So during that process, it had to be important that you hired people that understood what you were trying to achieve. And I'm sure you've had your ups and downs as it relates to hiring good talent and hiring not so good talent. What's been your strategy? And at what point in the journey did you really start to focus on making sure you were actually eating your own dog food? Oh, yeah. I think this is. So critical. And we see this so much with startups where it's at that early stage of the journey, you have access to only so much talent. You have the deck stacked against you, much like our customers. You as a founder need to dig deep, think through your networks, think through each role to find out what great looks like. And it's going to be very different along the journey. I think thinking about challenges, mistakes, learnings for me, it all comes down to being stage aware. When you're in that pre-product market fit era, the talent that you need is very different. And you got to think about in your networks when you're hiring at that early stage, you don't even have revenue in the door. 
how are you going to bring them in? And you've got obviously these disadvantages, but you can make them advantages. That first set of people that are going to join the business, they're going to help you form the culture that's going to set you up for success. But I think as my founding journey goes, it's all about stepping back and recognizing, hey, we're actually doing well. We're so heads down as founders, not recognizing, oh my gosh, the world has changed around us. The challenges on the next juncture, the next 12, 18 months are so different. Have I set up our team for success? On the bootstrap journey, one of the more fun parts of it is oftentimes for startups that you hear this so much from people, which is there's so much growth, there's so much opportunity, but maybe there's a lack of advancement because there's so many new people joining with that great new job or whatever the case. I think in our bootstrap years, we had the chance to sit back and invest in the team. And that was, I think, a fundamental thing that set us up for success for, I think, where we're at today. Where do you think you, like at what point in the journey, when you think, if I had to give our audience something tangible to apply when you first were on your way and realized, hey, we've got something here, how much time were you spending on the team versus the product? Oh, not enough. And I think that was like the big mistake. We had gotten to, let's say, million, million and a half of ARR. We were a small team. Right. And we were just, again, so customer focused. That's right. what all of us are doing. Right. Right. And we weren't looking around the team to recognize, oh, wait, this person has potential, but we're not investing in it. I think fast forwarding a couple of years, the next place that I had a big aha moment was, this is post our first round of funding. And I'm now like, going from that mindset of a bootstrap founder to deeply thinking about investing in the long run and meeting other founders and recognizing, wait a second, the challenges ahead are very different than what I even know. <laughs> I right. need to first up-level myself so that then I can go and think about what the gaps are and who we need, who's the missing player on the team. That was, I think, the next big aha moment, which is just spending more time with others that have done the journey a little bit ahead, 12, 18 months, whatever the case. Yeah, I definitely want to get to that. When you think about at the pre-product market fit stage, though, and you think about the fact that you had to replace people. Were you managing people out or firing as fast as you were hiring? Tell us a little bit more. Let's dig in there. Not doing I mean, it well enough. I would definitely right. say it. I think that's a challenge for everyone, whether it's a small business or a startup founder. Talent management is not just about dealing with the ups of the journey, but also the challenges and like mm -hmm. being conscientious and giving feedback and managing people appropriately. Mm -hmm. And if needed, having the tough conversations. I think every business owner or founder is going to have to like just make those mistakes and get there. It's so rare to have that exact starting team be the team all the way through the right. journey. A lot of people um, don't realize that though. You find founders, whether it be a co-founder or the first few people they hire, they hang on way too long and that impacts their ability to go forward. So it comes from loyalty. Like We're social animals. We want right. to do well by all those around us in our community. And I think it's you can thread the needle here, which is thinking about talent. And I say this often, which is when you're finding product market fit and you're starting to see things scale, the graphs are starting to compound and you have to have this fair conversation. I lead with it often, which is if the charts are going up into the right like that, we have to be holding on for dear life, right? We have to be like growing ourselves. And it's perfectly natural to say, hey, the rate at which someone is growing may not be at that pace. Let's find that right leader to help you grow. And those are like the real ways to have those raw conversations. I think the aha moment for me really was at a conference once where when the co-founder, CTO turned CEO, I believe Auth0 was talking, and he was talking about they had just done the Okta transaction. He was talking about the team at the level. They were at 100 million plus of AR, I think. And he mentioned this fact that just like, to this day, I think about it, of the team that he started with, only two people were still there. And that was wow. the moment of, okay, if that's what it's the journey okay. is like, like it's okay. <laughs> Let's just do it in the kindest way possible. Right. Do it as efficiently and thoughtfully and set everyone up for success. Because mm -hmm. ultimately, the team that got you there is going to be your shareholder long into the future. And you owe them the best thing for the company. And right. that's, I think, the right. mindset shift that needs to happen sometimes. And most times those people come back and thank you because exactly. it challenged them to do something different and grow 
in a way that they weren't prepared to do before and you help them find a new opportunity. <laughs> what are we doing in a startup, right? There's a Paul Graham essay, right? We're taking a decade of stress and compressing it in a short amount of time. We can either go work at the DMV or the post office, or we can like be growth mindset oriented and just do this and have this amazing experience that's going to change the trajectory of someone's career, whether it's a year or two years, whatever the case. In these environments, you are set up for success. You're going to grow incredibly. So at the pre-product market fit phase, on your way to product market fit, founders that are there and they're thinking about, I'm spending all my time on the product. Maybe I should spend more time on talent. What advice would you give them on how to do that? Is it percentage? Is it make sure you spend a certain amount of percentage? Like, How would you frame it up for tactical, implementable advice? Yeah. So let's think about like the focus in that pre-product market phase is learning. It's iteration. It's this customer base. And like, it's much as you're getting insights from the customer base, you have to incorporate that into like the thesis of the business. Right. Hey, let's say, for example, you have an individual, you're starting off in a B2C market or an SMB market, and you're going to go up market. That insight that's going to help you think about your product, you also got to think about the talent base. Is this person in your growth role or in your product team set up for success? Do they have that context for this customer base? Because we're all subject to what Mr. Market is going to tell us. <laughs> yep. It comes back to like why I think y'all as investors think so much about founder market fit. And that also is not yes. in, it's in flux in the early days. And we have to be like flexible there, basically. No, it's funny. You And timing happens there, right? You see a lot of good businesses where they may have it, but the timing for that particular opportunity just may not be good. So then the other side of that coin, in your experience, what are some common mistakes you've seen? You talk to a lot of peers, you get a lot of peer insight. What are some common mistakes you've seen that you can tell folks, hey, don't do this. I can tell you how that ends. Yeah, I think with the theme of even the show, right? Going slow to go fast. At the early stages, every hire, every person joining your team is helping you craft the culture, craft the way we work. And I think you have to be thoughtful about what good looks like for that role versus what great looks like for the role. I think in the early days, it's about iteration. It's having that really fast loop. And you want missionaries like we always do, but you want people that are flexible and can wear many hats. Over time, those hats are going to get more narrow. And I think for founders, the thing to do is step back and think about the roles, the gaps in the business, and understand like, if I don't know what great product marketing looks like or what like great sales looks like, before I make that person an offer and bring them into the team, has my process really helped me understand what good looks like for the role? Reach out to your yes. peer group, reach out to your angels, reach out to VCs. They have perspectives and reps here that'll help you because too often we are in a rush and we'll, because we have limited resources, because the need is there, we'll bring someone in the door. But if we don't know what good versus great looks like for that role, we may have just set ourselves up for like far more work that needs to happen here and like up-leveling or even like managing someone out. So I think it's like back in the early days when you're yep. ideating the role. Do you fundamentally know it? And I think it just starts by talking with lots of people. This community that we're all part of is so giving. And then you in five minutes can likely find someone on LinkedIn that'll help you out to understand right. what great looks like and right. what the challenges are. Like you could find a podcast for it. So I think it's like in the early days, ideate the role, talk to a lot of people that have done the journey a little bit and get a sense of it. And that's how you build your hiring process. We're big advocates of the WHO method for hiring. And if you don't know what great looks like, how can you write the scorecard for it and then the interview for it? So let's turn our attention to just that, the post-product market fit journey for wise hire. So talk to us a little bit about right before Mercury and Amplo came in to lead your Series A, how were you guys preparing for that? And you bootstrapped to what you know was a larger Series A back in 2020 in terms of how much revenue you had. Yeah. You were just underneath the water building and then Under you came investing, up. Under investing, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Well, but, but it worked out for you and your founders, right? <laughs> That's and true. a lot of folks take the easier path of 
raising, not necessarily too early, but you guys put a lot of time in to really make sure you got to product market fit on yeah. now what's just one component of the business. But yeah. tell us a little bit about that journey to the point where we made the investment. So a couple, I think, insights here. So for bootstrap founders making the transition, I think it's a lot of hard unlearning. You've got a mentality for how you operate. You're focusing on like a margin. And I think a lot of those lessons learned are really applicable at this moment in time where efficiency in the growth stage is hypercritical. The other piece of that place that we were at was we were just so heads down in a month-to-month business, not thinking long-term. And it gets back to the talent base, which is yep. like, hey, if we aren't thinking a year out, if we aren't thinking, yeah, I mean, we, we didn't even have a budget and a plan at that time. Yep, it was right. just like, what's the cash on the door? How are we managing it? And so that's when we partnered with Mercury and Amplo, I think we started to build that discipline, ultimately start to have a little bit more long-term view and perspective. Mm-hmm. I think that was a game changer for us in the trajectory of the business. So many insights on like how to think about the TAM and are we like in the right TAM? Are we like expanding it fast right. enough? Like, and also during that period and as right before, right after our investment, You also have this whole element around talent as it relates to people that have been there before, right? And the importance of paying up from a compensation perspective for people that have been there before because you're getting some intangibles that are definitely worth it when you look at the delta between paying a higher salary versus a lower salary. What's your perspective on that? How's that benefited you (laughs) or hurt you? I think one of the most important things any startup founder should do at that stage is invest in ahead of people operations to really start to think about setting your structure and your business for scale. If you're making that jump from early stage to the growth stage or even bootstrap stage to the growth stage, like even that element of comp, that's a critical thing. Right. What do we owe great talent that's going to join the business? We have to earn the right to work with them every single day. Yep. That's around like giving clarity, giving like a sense of what career tracks look like. And this is very different, I think, than like where the startup landscape or even the general employee-employer relationship was even 15 years ago. People need and deserve clarity. And I think that's one of these hard things that we have to do on the founder journey is step back and build that roadmap. Not only are we making a jump from, hey, the bands and levels of people we could pull in, but now like the business needs and deserves a potential that it's never had before. So we have to like build our budget accordingly. We have to like think about the PL implications, but like it's beyond that. It's like, how do we then think about the org structure? How do we think about still having the ability to like bring in early career talent and develop them? I think we were slow there. And I think mm-hmm. every founder, like when they get a couple of years into it, recognize that, wow, we should have done more. We should have gone faster. We could have developed more here. So I want to go back to something you just said. You were on a roll, man, which is why I love talking to you. You said we have to earn the right to work with great talent every day. Let's go in on that. What's your perspective on that? Go deeper. How'd you get there? And what has happened in the business where you can tell me, Heath, because of this and this, I can guarantee you that this is the case, right? Tell us more about that. Yeah. So if you dig into that, we all at a high level get the talent is our biggest asset, right? We are running, if you're listening to this, watching this, our startups are essentially the people that we're building, this org, this community. And in this day and age where think about the journey as a society we've gone through with remote work, there is always a higher compensation role on the horizon. And for startups and organizations, it's all about building that like culture and that ethos where someone is feeling like they're doing their life's best work in an environment where they're getting that deep investment, they're set up for success. And that was a big journey for us personally, because we'd gone from a very narrow point of view to even like recognizing, wow, we can do so much more. So it was a mission, the vision that allowed us to like attract talent. But then like, when you think about the competition and what they're just going to do, the Amazons, the Facebooks, like we, we can never compete with that. And so that's where we have to like, think about the individual, the person, 
back to the story of career arcs, like understanding like what their long-term path is. And maybe it's not going to be always in your startup. Back to the uncomfortable conversations. And so it's building manager training. It's building a management class that can like think people first and understand what is the intrinsic drive of an individual and how do we align it for what's best for the business, but also set them up for success up to the point where like they can go on this journey. I look forward to the day that we see like many more people boomeranging at Wiser after they've gone through this journey of learning everything they can here, going to that other org and then coming back. There you have it. <laughs> True servant leadership. <laughs> now let's dig into the senior leadership. So as wise hires continue to scale, you've had sort of two challenges, right? One is how do you continue to build your leadership team? But you've also had this challenge of you want to hire people that have been there before, but you yourself are continuing to up-level your skill set to have them want to work with you. What's that experience been like? Oh, I think I found religion in hiring executive talent. First off, we're in the hiring space, right? Yep. There was a moment in time where we were using the same product and services, and we use our tools internally, but there was a recognition that active talent, the actively job-seeking ecosystem of people out there, wasn't going to cut it for what the team needed and deserved. It was coming back from that conference that I mentioned, recognizing, hey, you know, if we have to take this to the next level, I have blind spots. Much like how like when we partnered with you, it was a thesis of that, hey, I have blind spots that Heath can like help me give guidance to. Right. And I need to do that in the same sense for like a marketing, sales, technology right. function. I think the big journey I went on back to that idea of ideating the role was starting to work with exec search firms, understanding with my peer group, like what their great functional leaders look like, chatting with them, understanding why someone exited their business, mm -hmm. why someone was promoted in their business. And that's how I ideated the kind of scorecard for what success looks like for our various leaders. Started to work with some great search firm partners that have really helped me connect with world-class talent. But like, were you always there? What did you think? Oh, I could just do this on my own? Was oh, it that I, I didn't want to pay the fee? <laughs> or was it that, hey, I think I can tap into my network better? What was the mindset before? And then what forced you to get to the executive I, recruiter side? I think it's, there's never enough time as the founder at that moment in time. You're now focusing on growth. There's so much going on. And I think it's two things. There's hubris definitely to it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> the second is deep belief in like our process, our product, et cetera. But the third, I think it would be like our network. Right. And then it was really the recognition of like talking to others that, hey, if we're doing this for our team or shareholders, if we're doing this for the LPs that you work for, they need and deserve the best talent. And I think there's a nugget in here, which is every time you raise a round, I think you should think about like much as you position your mission vision, think about how that is landing with job seekers. And what we had at that moment in time was, I think, one of the most succinct, empowering mission visions, which is we are connecting communities. Yep. Every day, I run our onboarding classes and a little bit of a tangent, but every day you join WiseHire, you're going to help two people find a job. That is something that goes on the Maslow's pyramid of like needs. That is like way up there. And one, like started when I realized, hey, I need a great talent. Sounds like a red peak. <laughs> <laughs> recognizing we had this great mission, recognizing I had a need for great talent, but I didn't have access to great talent. Spending cycles on making hires that took me way longer than they needed to or didn't work out. And then finally realizing, okay, as a bootstrap founder, I just need to go spend and invest in that staffing firm that's going to help me find that great talent. It was a journey. So same question I asked about product market fit. For those founders who are beyond product market fit, they're working through the scaling, what advice would you give them about as they continue to level up their senior talent and themselves? What kind of guidance would you give them? Oh, go slow to go fast. Again, this is the theme. You're going to keep taking stock of where you are in the journey quarterly. Like start writing it down. Think about like who is in a position to win before you can actually ask the question, are they winning? 
right? Because you owe your team, the talent, whether it's at the IC level or that new exec that you brought in the business, the opportunity to really succeed. Are you truly onboarding them, setting them up for success? That's like fundamentally the first thing. Thereafter, I think like when you recognize, hey, there's like gaps, there's challenges, you got to go a step further and recognize, wait, on this journey of scaling, everyone's roles and responsibilities are going to become more narrow. So is it really a question of, hey, that individual you brought in who's a world-class expert here is really the right person for the next stage for that full function, or is it a more narrow scope? Like those are the types of conversations that you want to have, and you want to really start to think about organizational design in a really thoughtful way. If you're immediately at that point in time where you've raised your first growth round and you're like ready to scale, you may think that you're ready to put the gas, like really punch it, but step back. You could break this business if you do it too quickly. Back to going slow. Like it's one hire at a time. As a founder, like your job at that moment in time is going to be probably 30, 40% recruiting, whether it's at the IC level or the exec talent level. An exec search process could take you six plus months. But that is an incredible use of your time because that wrong person, if brought into the business, is the difference between a 1x or a 10x outcome. You owe it to your shareholders. You owe it to like your team <laughs> to bring in greatness. And ultimately, it's to fill the void that you have, which is like a blind spot. Sid, earlier you mentioned the importance of org design. Yep. So whether the founder went through an accelerator, read a book, a lot of times there's not a lot of information on that and exactly how to do it and how to do it successfully. Would you dig in on that for the audience? You know, What kind of advice would you give on the importance of org design? Totally. I think at the highest level... We often think that there is a tried and true path here, that it's you know science, but it's art. It's about the players on the field and how best they can enable the full company to excel and succeed. You know, I think as founders, we also need to recognize that our org is not a static thing. It is right. dynamic. It is amenable to change, but it's a function of like how that change is managed. Yes. Right. Like the only thing constant in startup land is change, right? And so, like my viewpoint on here is like constantly think about like is the team having roadblocks? Is the team having information gaps? Is the team missing players? Have a mindset of what the next 12 months of challenges may be. Much like your product roadmap, work backwards to what the you know logistical operational challenges will be. Think about like where the gaps might be as you think about like your current team, their team's ability to scale. You know, have a running plan, much like where you want to take the business of where the team needs to go. Work with that, you know, head of people ops individual that you brought in the business, get some validation, thought right. process there, talk with your board about it. And then I think the most critical thing here is like when you roll out changes, you know, lead with the why, right? No one wants to be blindsided. Right. It's again back to that that part of like, hey, we have to have lots of conversations. Like that is the job to ensure that like everyone understands the why behind it, the motivations and what it means for them. Organizational design is it's a flexible thing for that moment in time, what is best for your org and setting it up for that next level of growth. There's great resources out there today. It's like podcasts like this where you can get a sense of it. You know, I think the information publishes org charts actually for startups right. and you can get some inspiration there. But it's fundamentally about who is the talent? How do you best enable them for success? Do they have the context and the partnership and that peer level mentorship to uh, you know really do this journey that we're all about to go on? So the follow-up there is when you're listening to the organization and you're seeing with your eyes, your direct reports, how involved do you get? How much further down is your ear to the ground on understanding what's happening where you can then dig in and realize, oh, there's roadblocks here or there's things happening? I mean, do I have, the, start to, to question, do I have the right talent every place? How do you do that? Yeah. I think again, as your org gets larger, it's about building in a culture of great people first leaders. 
And the way we've done it, and I don't know if this works everywhere, but it's starting with skip levels, right? It's about building a relationship with the next level down. It's about having, you know, settings where you can get your people managers together, give them investment and training, focus on stay surveys, back to like earning the right, right to work with people, right. get the feedback from the field. Yep. We we at Wisehire do, uh, you know, semi-annual like, you know, like insights from the team. We actually just published our culture ramp results and stepped through it with the company and then went to the departments and talked about all the challenges that we have and build action plans. From there, we actually like publish the action plans and we actually like work right. towards it. And I think that's all about the journey of like, hey, you're finding great talent, you're earning the right to work with them day in and day out. You're thinking about what the business's challenges are in the out weeks, months, quarters, and then just making sure you have all the right players, rotating the team as you need. I hope everyone heard that. Skip level meetings. Make sure you implement that in your organization as you're it gets one bigger. On one. <laughs> yeah, your your one on ones and skip levels are the most important meetings that you're yep. going to go to. What is your job as a leader? It is to lead with context, understand where their challenges, and right. you know connect the dots. <laughs> That's awesome, Sid. I remember reading the book Execution by Bossity, the CEO of Honeywell. Yep, and he talked about as the CEO of a multi billion dollar company, he was involved in hires like three, four, five levels down. For founders, as they continue to grow the business, like what's your perspective on how involved they should be in decentralizing decision-making throughout the company, but keeping a hold on and being involved in the hiring process. Like, what's your philosophy there? What do you do at Wise yeah. Hire? How's that work? What kind of advice would you give? So I think operationally, and even with the hiring process, you want to lead with context and clarity. And you have to trust but verify. And, and I think you can do both. One is what we did is actually with identify first and foremost, like where we had up and coming managers and in advance start to build hiring best practices. We today have an outsourced firm that even helps with training and development here. We have internal processes. Like you really need to invest there because that like mid-level management class is actually where the lived experience of like your team really is. When it comes to scaling as a founder and like not inhibiting growth in the business. You can't interview every single person, right? right. You're going to be there till 11 o'clock at night. That's not the right way to do it. It's again, back to the trust for verify, right? It's being part of the right loops of interviewing. You're likely building very structured interview processes. You've started to understand who are the best people for that early phone screen, culture fit, who are the people for the best technical screens, start working with them individually and then like backing off. Those are like the tried and true tactics here. Do you, you get know, any pushback hmm. or do you feel like the culture is more of an in involved, inclusive, they want the help. Like, I think our culture is deeply collaborative. We talk so often about this idea of no one is smarter than everyone, right. <laughs> basically. And so in general, it's all about adapting the process. So people want the help. Oh, we, And the support, we, should, I should yeah, frame it that and, and way. Like, I think as a leader, you got to, one, highlight your own fallibility to ensure that like people are comfortable with this. So I often talk about this idea of well, let's talk about giving feedback. And this is a tangent, but giving feedback at the 30% mark or the 70% mark, right? If it's super early, like you should not nitpick everything. Give high level ideas. But if it's later on, give like the appropriate feedback and then let's like trust. There are incredibly consequential things like hires where you want to be like part of the loop and like, give that feedback immediately. One thing that we do with the hiring and emphasizing the importance of it is showing it with where your time is focused. When we have, let's say, exec candidates coming through or even a director or manager candidate coming through, our team has decade blocks where like VPs will cancel things that are going on to focus on that candidate. In this market, that's how you win top talent. You have to show up and like, make them the priority and you have to reduce that cycle time. That's one of these ways that we've showed the importance of it. Over time, I've backed off, obviously, from every hiring decision. It's that deep trust that you're building with the team and in the space. It's um, a delicate balance. Right? <laughs> exactly. We're pretty, very nuanced. <laughs> so you've referenced our show title a few times. <laughs> Go slow to grow fast. 
Can you give us an example of, and it sounds like you apply it, right? Which is- Harder and less than, yeah. What's an example of where it worked out really well or where you wish you had? Ooh, I'll talk about where we apply it. Okay. And then I'll talk about where we had challenges. We're expanding our product today from one ICP to a much larger ICP and going slightly up more. That was a much more thoughtful process and organic and one that we took the time to understand the journey of the customer before we like really went all into it. Now it's like a very different corollary to like how we like initially started like think about go to market where it's like, hey, we had raised our series A. Oh my gosh, we need to grow. Let's just start like throwing things at the wall. And that's how you're wasting cycles. That's how you're impacting individuals. That's how you're like wasting money, spending money versus getting an ROI. I can definitely like talk about the scar tissue there. But like we've made some mistakes before we realized, wait a second, let's de-risk this. Let's have a plan for 30 days. Let's have a plan for 90 days. Okay, now we really got the machine figured out. Now it's like the gas. <laughs> no, that's really exciting. Really exciting. So listen, this has been really good. I got one final question for you. Let's hear it. How have you changed your leadership style? So four years ago, eight years ago, what were you doing? How have you changed to lead today to be prepared for tomorrow? I think as founders, if we're not looking back at who we were even a year ago and saying, man, how dumb we were, then we're not growing fast enough. Right. <laughs> so I think the big transition from being that bootstrap founder to where we are today was through that a lot of deep personal growth deep investment in myself and going through coaching and like building a peer group to recognize, wow, in our little sandbox as a bootstrap founder, we thought we were like the thing, but man, we have a lot to learn. And talking openly about that fallibility, we aim to be people first leaders and it's, we're not perfect. We have to show right. that to the yeah, team. Yeah, get so some vulnerability. Yeah. Build, and I mean, look at us, we're all in a remote setting. You and I finally are today in person. And how do we build trust in a remote setting? It's vulnerability. Yes. <laughs> Opening yes. up about how fallible we are, talking through ideas when they're at a high enough level of like thoughtfulness and completeness, but giving room and feedback for others to weigh in. You seek it often, right? You, hey, let me tell you what I'm thinking. Give me some feedback. That was really helpful. No, there's this Danny Kahneman experiment that I think emphasizes this perfectly where they run lotteries at like various state fairs. And in one, you're getting a random number given to you. And in another, they let people choose the random number. And then they ask them minutes before the lottery is drawn, hey, we're going to buy back your tickets. And the people that picked their own tickets were wanting double the money. Than the people that randomly got it. Mm. The insight from the science experiment there is that like you need to give agency and ownership in this journey. And I think too often in the early stages, we are leading by edict. We're like, wait, it's too fast. We just know here's the answer, go. But like on the long-term journey, we are building a world-class team. That means everyone has a voice, everyone has a perspective, and you have to bring everyone along. And it's the job to do the 50 meetings to get like consensus. If that's what's necessary, you just got to do it basically. Yes, yes. Sid, this has been really good. I appreciate it. Thanks for the time. I hope the audience got something out of it and looking forward to continuing to work with you. Uh, thanks on this for the journey. partnership. Always great to catch yes. up, man. Really appreciate it. Good. Thanks, buddy. <laughs> and that's it for today's session of Go Slow to Grow Fast. We'll see you next time and uh, have a good one.